Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. The Philacrosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA lacrosse championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Inside the Eight podcast. Really excited to introduce Kelly Amonti Hiller to the podcast. Uh, me and Colleen McGarity are really fired up to chat, talk lacrosse with you, Kelly. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, pumped to have Kelly on, my old coach. We've had a lot of cats on here, Kelly, but awesome. You're the ultimate cat. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm the cat that started it all. <laughs> exactly. Um, I first wanted to start my like question is how was this past weekend first Memorial Day weekend probably not doing lacrosse coaching lacrosse being involved in the final four in like how long I know it's it it was tough um you know I think that it it kind of breaks your heart um mostly for the, the student athletes all across the country that just don't get the chance to put their hearts on the line and, and compete for something that they work, work hard for. Um, you know, and I think that my, my just way to cope with it is, is, uh, I didn't, I didn't, to be honest, watch a lot of lacrosse this weekend on, on TV. I did catch a few of the men's games yesterday, last night, we were watching a bit. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a little painful to, to see that. And so, you know, although I obviously love the game, I think that today is a new day. I'm excited about today. Today's the first day of the 2021 season, right? Yes. And so, you know, that's what I'm really focusing in on and, you know, just trying to plan and, and move ahead and, and, um, you know, think, think of what's next. I think that's what everyone wants. They just want a goal, you know, a goal of what's next, what's going to happen next. And, and, um, you know, moving towards that and trying to get lacrosse back into our, all of our lives, the thing that we love the most. For sure. Yeah. I think I saw a tweet yesterday that 
someone said something similar about like today's the start for we're going to be on that field playing in the national championship in 2021 like you're always working for something and mm -hmm. as that has always been with you guys even if you were playing in the national championship today would be the day one of 2021 so it's kind of like <laughs> clean slate mm. type of feeling yes absolutely that's um, yeah I mean it's crazy Jamie anything on the Memorial Day weekend that used to um, be the best no I think um I've been talking to a lot of coaches um on podcasts and I was curious to get your opinion on what you've been doing um, with your time from a professional development perspective. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm like a huge MMA wrestling uh, individual sport fan. I, I think my, as you guys know, my daughter She's into judo pretty hardcore and, and does a little jujitsu and wrestling as well. But um, just the, you know, of the individual sports like golf and tennis and, and, and uh, those types of sports, I think the mental side of things is, is so challenging. And so I've just been trying to study as much as I can about uh, that aspect of the game and, um, you know, just really bringing that type of stuff. I think for me, you know, just having a little bit of time to do that. What I, you know, what I've been doing is I've been wearing my uh, my headphones. I don't get a lot of time away because I have two two little ones. Um, but I wear my headphones when I go to the grocery store and I listen to a podcast or you know any chance you know whether I'm going for a run or working out or whatever I'll try to listen to something whether it's you guys you know lacrosse related um, I can pick up you know one thing I really am of the proponent and I think you know you guys are the same way it's just like pick up whatever you can from whatever sport or you know individual um, possible and so I've just I've just been trying to kind of focus in a little bit on the mental side but also you know on the physical aspect and just studying different things um, to bring into our game and I'm I'm looking forward to heading into the summer too we've also been outside in our backyard um, and just working with our older daughter a little bit with the lacrosse piece um, working with you know, just Scott and I talk a lot and just doing different things in the backyard to, to see what works and stuff like that. So that's been a, a fun aspect of it too. You know, you don't always get that time to create. So, um, you know, it, creative minds create when they have silence. So silence is a good thing. True. I saw the goalie back there too. <laughs> yeah. Goalie's pretty strong. <laughs> Huge. I mean, nothing like shooting on a goalie. I mean, it's the best. All day. I have a goalie coming with me this week, so I'm pumped to have a goalie to shoot on. But the the mental part of the individual sport that you just um, brought up is so intriguing to me. I ran track, and I think that was like mentally the hardest things to prepare for. And obviously, paid for you. We were, you know, in very big pressure situations. But it is so interesting that difference between a team sport and the mental where it's only you, you and yourself. And like, I'm always so impressed with swimmers. Like swimmers are like, you know, it's just them in a mm -hmm. pool or like an MMA fighter, like Ronda Rousey and all of them. It's just, it is really interesting that 
to take that part of your mind and how to become so mentally tough when totally. they don't. When I, when I first, we, we, uh, I can remember when Harley first got into judo, they said to her that if she went to a tournament that she would, um, be elevated to like a higher belt level. So she's like, mom, we got to go to a tournament. We got to go to a tournament. So I said, okay, where's the tournament? We had to drive to Indianapolis for the first tournament. So we drove to Indianapolis and I can literally specifically remember calling Scott and he's like, how's it going? And I'm like, uh, there's one thing, there's a lot of crying in judo. <laughs> and I, I just think it's, it's, you know, when it's you versus someone else and there's no excuses, there's nothing else you can, you know, turn to or blame it on or whatever. It, it puts a lot of pressure on you mentally. And I've seen as Harley has grown up in the sport, how that's affected her. And obviously as a coach, I've tried to help her on the mental side of the game. And, you know, I get to talk with her coaches and, you know, some of the, some of the better, better people. We actually had, um, the only two time Olympic champ, uh, Kayla Harrison, she spoke to our team a couple weeks back. And I mean, she was just incredible. She's in the MMA now. Um, and she's just like unbelievable in terms of everything that she does. Yeah, it is just, I am so intrigued by that too. And it's that mental part and trying to read as many books or take as many things or listen to as many stuff just to be like, what's that edge? What are, learn one or two things to help prepare your athletes is, is huge. And I mean, you did an amazing job with us. I just, and like, I, I always talk about the mental game, like you just need to be prepared for the next level. And I, it's so hard to explain it or how to coach it or teach it. You just got to live it and you got to have failures and totally. figure it out. I think that's the biggest thing with high school kids is, you know, they'll come in to college programs and they've had so much success. They've been on the top of their world. And then, you know, when they come in and they merge with all these types of players that have had the similar successes, you know, sometimes their first failures are with us. And I think in an individual sport, you're faced with failure all the time. You're faced with it and you, you know, it's on you, you know? So I think that that's, um, you know, something that we try to bring a little bit to our game is, is just kind of, you know, incorporating that mindset into, into the team sport. That's great. So true. When you are on these power youth teams, you might not, never lose a game, mm -hmm. you know, for like your whole, you know, you might lose three games in your entire life. And all of a sudden you get to college and it's like, it's 50, 50 ball game a lot of the time. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I solely do fitness tests for this, for the mental part of it. I'm like, I don't even care if you really don't do that well. Yes, I do. But I just want you guys to get nervous to beat the person next to you. And then like have that ownership afterwards. Like I did well, or I didn't, or I prepared, I was, I prepared or was I not like, absolutely. Well, like I put it through them all the time. They're like, other teams don't do it. I'm like, I don't care. This is what we're doing. And like, it's, I used to fear the fitness test at school and until you feel like you don't fear it anymore that was a huge turning point for me like yep. don't fear it just attack it and like that's what I'm trying to get them to have that same type of mindset which is so important totally um I have a question for you Kelly when you think about development whether it's for you or for your athletes 
and you think about, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and reading books, just trying to bring in information and all of that is great. But how much value do you think there is in, in just thinking about things and like putting music on and going, getting a work on workout in where you're literally just thinking about letting, thinking about your team or thinking about, I don't know, developing a move or an offense or a defense or, or if you're an athlete and your, your daughter thinking about your matches and just the actual act of thinking deeply about it. I kind of feel like that's un, kind of a little bit undervalued. I couldn't agree more, Jamie. I think that I'm actually very interested to see how we as a lacrosse community come out of this um, situation because I think we might see some benefits where kids are playing less but maybe thinking about what they're doing more and actually, you know, developing their skills more and, you know, obviously appreciating more of the opportunities that they get when they come back. But I could not agree more. Like why, you know, I, we talk a lot about like the why, why are we doing this move? Like you have to understand, you can't just be like dodging around cones and thinking, you know, that's going to make you great. You got to think about like, why am I doing this? Why, how is this going to translate into the game situation? You know, watching a, you know, a college game and then seeing what a player did and why did they do that? I think you're obviously like the master of that, Jamie. And we talk about that a lot together. Um, and that's, that's the funnest part of my day is when we get to, when we get to chat like that. So, um, I think that the more you can instill that into your players, and I think that that was the thing that I benefited in college, um, especially Gary. I think he's very good at that, like looking at that side of things. And I can remember going to the U.S. team and just thinking like, wow, what an elevated level the players in my college program are at because they know the why and they know why we're doing things and they understand things on a bigger level um i i think you it's it's the probably the most underrated thing that that people you know right. they just go and play 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 and hopefully this downtime will will allow people to grow and i think that's probably the the biggest drawback the club system is so great in so many ways but it also it prohibits you know, kids are in cars and planes for so many hours where those hours could be, you know, devoted to thinking about the game or, you know, developing their game. And, and so, you know, maybe when we come back, we'll find a little bit more balance with it. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, it should be very, I'm very interested to see how this class of 22s, 23s comes out of this, because I, I think you're going to, we're going to see a lot of benefit as college coaches. I agree. I think the element of visualization is huge too. Just when you think about, you know, like the best athletes are always great naturally at visualization. And it's obviously a really important piece of sports psychology that I think is also underrated. that fits right in. Absolutely. I mean, you have to be able to see it before you can do it. Uh, you know, that's just a staple. You have to. You have to know that you've already done this thing, you know, many, many, many times in your head. And so that when you get into that pressure situation, it feels comfortable. 
you said that to us all the time. We used to visualize all the time before practice and games and all that stuff. And it's funny how much I say what obviously you used to coach me at and even little kids catching with their left hand. I'm like, did you just envision yourself dropping the ball? Obviously you're going to drop the ball again. Like start to just like, you know, just envision yourself catching with your left hand. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with you. I was hoping that like, maybe they do cancel the whole summer. Like then we at least know what we're doing and let's plan to be creative. And, you know, as a club coach, I'll start to give them things to do on their own and think about the why, you know, like let's go back and what were we, you know, not so good at and what can we improve on on our own in a relaxed atmosphere. And I was like, I kind of excited for when the time comes when we come back to club, like parents might just appreciate being on the field, appreciate being together, appreciating the opportunity to play the little things, which I think we definitely started to take for granted a little bit or just worry about things that weren't in our control or didn't matter so much to the individual's level of play or the individual's, um, you know, how they're going to grow as a player. I, I think, you know, with the club thing too, everything is so structured. You know, you go to practice, you do this, you do that. You know, e even with with my daughter, I, I've really enjoyed this time of, you know, we're being able to develop different aspects of her as an athlete, whether it's running or, you know, different things. And I think that obviously I'm a coach, so he, she has the benefit of that. But, um, you know, I think you're going to really see the kids that have the passion for, for the sport are going to rise right now. And yeah. the kids that need the structure because they don't have that passion and they, they need someone to tell them what to do. I think that hopefully those types of kids are finding, okay, like I don't have that. So now I have to find it. I mean, when we were kids, you know, Jamie, like we would just go out to the backyard and we would, you know, pick the teams and, you know, play the game and, right. and, um, you know, that was, that was the fun of it and no one was setting it up for us. So I think that like, you know, hopefully this time is going to create some of that for them too, even as the States open up and they can play a little bit of three on three, you know, maybe they're going to call their neighbors or the people in their neighborhood and, and just be like, Hey, let's meet at this field because you know, their club team isn't allowed to meet, you know? And I, I think, what that does is it gives them ownership of their own destiny. And like, that's what we try to teach and preach, you know, as college coaches, once they get to us, we we're trying to give them a sense of like, you have to have ownership of your own destiny. And I think the more that these groups of kids that are being affected by this are, are, um, are realizing those things it's going to hugely benefit them. And, and I think this, these two classes, you know, 22 and 23, you might see, see them be some of the greatest lacrosse players we've seen in a while because of this. You don't, you don't know, but I, I think that there's a real possibility of that. Yeah. Especially if they're playing a lot of games, you know, mm -hmm. if their parents are taking over the development and just repping stuff out, maybe not so much, but if they're playing, you know, I wanted to yeah. make a point. You, you said earlier, you said um, you have to be able to visualize it before you can do it, which um, I totally agree with. I've done it a million times and I know it works. But I want to also talk about the phenomenon of when you're just playing and all of a sudden you do something that you've never done before.
which is like the miracle of free play where you just do it. You're like, wow, that was actually pretty cool. I've never done that before. And then it really truly sticks. Um, what are your thoughts on that concept? You know, it's, it's funny. Um, we have two neighbors to the, the right of us, little boys, and they, they've never really played lacrosse before. And so um, through this whole social distance thing, sometimes they'll, they'll come over and pick up the sticks and, you know, we'll, we'll get a two on two going or something like that. And, um, you know, they'll, all of a sudden they'll do a toe drag. Now they've never watched lacrosse in their whole life. I don't even know what lacrosse is. And I'm like, great toe drag, you know, (laughs) and they have no idea what they're doing, but then, you know, I say, Oh, great job. And, and then they're just picking it up and, you know, they're not watching someone and learning a specific skill and saying, oh, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. They're just, they're just doing whatever fits into, you know, how they can get around someone or how they can figure things out. And, you know, I couldn't emphasize that more, Jamie. I think that, you know, you can learn things and you can learn way to do things, but I think figuring things out and learning how to play together and play off of each other that is the the most valuable skill that you can learn and any player that comes into our program that knows how to play with other players excels you know the players that are you know one tracked and and you know can only do certain things but they do those things well but they 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 struggle with playing off of other players they take a little bit more time to develop in our program. So, you know, they develop, but we have to kind of teach them that aspect of playing off of each other and, you know, making the eye contact, you know, that you learn in the, in the backyard and, and uh, you know, in the parks and stuff. Awesome. I, and I, I think what you're talking about your neighbors is like, they're just being athletic. They're just being instinctual, which yesterday I was actually training a girl and, she showed me a video of her playing against her dog. I was like, that was the best moves you've, you've done. Like I've been training you for a year and what you just did against your dog was way better than like any other cone or anything you've been doing because you were just literally trying to duke the dog out, you know, and trying to get by. And I was like, you pulled out moves that, you know, were combinations of things without thinking. And I think that's so important with the mind is to stop being so calculated. It's just oh. to play free and do what, I think so many high schooler girls are like, I'm going to do a roll dodge. I'm like, well, why would you do that? If you didn't even need to, you just ran by the person, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so little things like that, where they can just be smarter, but not overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's all about decision-making and reading and reading and reacting. How do you guys at Northwestern try to develop that? Yeah, we, we, um, you know, we try to play, we play as much as we can, whether it's small sided. Um, I think that uh, my, my coach from college used to always say this, she would say, the teacher is the game. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget Cindy say, saying that she would always say the teacher is the game. And I think that you have to allow people to play the game and allow them to be able to develop through through the play and I think that you know after they play then we analyze and we you know give them maybe one thing to think about two things to think about um, but really you know not 
not over coach um, and keep it, keep it pretty simple. And you'll find that, you know, great athletes uh, when they're, when they have less in their head, they'll be able to play off of each other way more than if they go into a situation with a lot of structure in their mind. Um, it becomes a little bit more challenging for them to just feel that sense of freedom to be able to play off. I, I remember um, in our last game of the season, uh, Menkenna, she came off of, a, you know, a dodge down the, the middle and Izzy Skame came to the outside of her and uh, Megan um, pretended uh, she she flipped it to Izzy but then she you know pretended like she still had the ball and then all of a sudden you know Izzy was literally wide open dodging right down the middle and uh, Izzy did not even know that she did a little hidden ball and until like after when Megan told her and then you know we watched the film and stuff but awesome. it's just it's just little stuff like that you know that you can kind of, you know, protect that ability for them to, to make those decisions on their own. I think that's huge. I was just going to say what, I mean, your guys' offense has like evolved so much over the years. And is it, you do a lot of two-man game right now. What are ways that you guys, you know, work on the two-man game at practice? Is it based on who you guys have right now? on your team is it going to change you know based around the players you have and kind of go from there what are your main concepts maybe this year and going forward with you know your creativity on offense i think we're just trying to constantly evaluate ourselves build uh and you know with the thought process of allowing the kids to play and make decisions and i think that um, you know, we make that clear to our players, like we need you guys to, to be able to play, make decisions and be smart enough so that, you know, when the pressure's on, uh, we can trust you to, to make a play and you're going to be able to have the confidence to make that play. And I think for us, just, you know, studying the game, um, you know, constantly innovating, I think that uh, from my perspective, uh, you know, I really arm my assistant coaches as well with that type of stuff to be able to come up with ideas and, you know, thoughts, and then we'll, you know, talk about them and, and run with them. Um, but we're also, we're always tweaking, tweaking whatever we're doing and, and, um, trying to keep it as, as organic as possible. And, I think that we've just found a good sense of balance over the last couple of years where we're, we're getting quality shots where, you know, we're working on a lot of skill and finishing. And then we're also giving the kids the opportunity to, to play pretty up-tempo, you know, aggressive style. And I think that, you know, I guess it's a combination of, of what we're doing, but also the mentality of what we're doing that has produced um, lots of goals. <laughs> lots of goals. <laughs> it's fun to watch. You guys are averaging like over 20 goals a game this year. I was checking out the stats. I think you were number one in the NCAA uh, goals per game category. 
uh, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Um, you know, it's it's just been an evolution. And, you know, obviously, the previous year, we lost Selena Lasoto, one of the, you know, most explosive offensive players we've had in our program. And, and uh, you know, I think that we, we picked up the slack right off the bat. And, and uh, you know, we're able to continue to keep that offensive production. I'm, I'm excited about this upcoming year. I think that we have, um, you know, pretty much, you know, the majority of our offensive uh, power coming back and, and, you know, we add some, obviously some new freshmen um, and, and uh, some others. So we're, we're excited about this upcoming year and excited to continue to, to develop. Um, and I think, I think our players, you know, just love that aspect of it. How do you balance teaching new things and letting players learn on their own? I think video can be helpful. Um, I think that some of the time, if you just show like someone a quick clip, um, I have a Canadian kid who was a freshman this year and I was hat. She was just really, really struggling with confidence and, and, uh, just finding like, her, like her groove, her niche, um, you know, and I just sent her a couple clips of, you know, some, some different people doing, doing effective things. And I'm like, just study this up, just, you know, look at this, this player and see how they do this. Um, and, you know, she came out the next day of practice and, and, you know, started working on some of these different things. And I didn't have to like, I go, I went down there and, you know, encouraged her, but she kind of took it upon herself. And then, you know, she just kept doing it, doing it, doing it. And then she was really starting to gain momentum and confidence. And I think that, you know, it just gave her in that situation where she was a little down, a sense of, okay, like maybe if I do these one or two things, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get better. And I think that, so you have to have some level of fundamentals in what you're doing, but then you have to take those fundamentals and be able to apply them in with creativity and freedom in, in a team concept. And I think that, so we try to balance the both, uh, teaching the fundamentals and then allowing them to apply those fundamentals and you know if they're not able to do it then we might you know shoot them a clip here and there and say hey like check this out um you know this is where you did something really good or this is where you could have used this fundamental that we've been talking about and so um i think that's probably the best way is is kind of teaching after the fact so that you're not constantly like interrupting yeah. um, the progress and, and what they're doing. So smart though to, to, you can introduce things, but then you got to kind of let them play and figure it out. And then after the fact, you know, you can show them. And that's, I totally agree with that. I think that's such, such a smart model. Hey, what were the clips that you showed her? Ah, uh, I, I, uh, I actually showed her a couple of dodging clips of uh, Kayla Trainer. And um, her just, uh, I felt like she could use a couple of those similar tactics. I think Kayla's really tremendous at uh, the way she moves and, you know, how she used her stick for deception. And yeah. that's 
specific player was, you know, she's very athletic, probably more athletic than Kayla, but um, I felt that if she was able to kind of use some of those deceptive tactics, yeah, she would be a lot, she'd be able to use her athleticism a lot more. And I think sometimes people that are really athletic forget to use uh, the deceptive qualities that they, they could. Um, and I think when you pair the both together, it's, it's a really dynamic combination. Awesome. For sure. I mean, Kayla does an amazing job of slowing down yes. and like, reading the play, which is just so fun to watch where totally like we talked earlier, like high schoolers are just so go, 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 go. Like I'm so athletic where Kayla really, you know, takes it to another level where I can be athletic. But I'm going to slow down and read for the, perfect play and not that, that, that's I feel like you know Scott is has uh done a great job with our offense over the last few years and you know anytime I'm I'm down there with him that I like literally that's all he's saying is slow down slow down slow down you know especially to the younger players that come into the program because they're just used to like and they think because we play uh, a faster style that like we're gonna be constantly like going super fast, but it's it's really not that way. Um, you know, you have to have that level of control to be able to see what the options are, you know? For sure, and read the defense, which leads me to my next question is defense. Um, well, were you, were you guys playing mainly zone or man this year or what's your, or a little bit of both? What are you guys doing on defense these days compared to when I was there? <laughs> Yeah, we were, uh, we were doing a little bit of both. I think that, um, you know, obviously we lost Tim McCormick, who was our defensive coach. So I actually moved back down to the defensive end uh, for this particular year. And our other assistant, Shelby, um, was kind of bouncing back and forth offense and defense. And so uh, for us, we were just kind of um, – kind of retooling things a little bit, changing things up in terms of our man-to-man, some of the things, the, the fundamentals that we do. Um, and then also, you know, putting in a little bit of different styles with, um, you know, some high pressure looks. Um, and I think that uh, we were developing it. I'm excited for next year because we have some of the fundamentals down. We're going to continue to build on that. And I feel like we can, kind of have some different styles. I, I, I tend to uh, be one to be able to change and, and do different things, um, you know, maybe based on who we're playing or, you know, little tweaks here and there. Um, I don't, I don't feel like we have to do the same exact thing every single time. So I think our players are starting to get used to my style as a coach defensively. And, um, you know, I, I think the hard thing is I think sometimes our defense gets down because, you know, we might have a lot of goals scored on us, but you know, when you score 25 goals in a game, there's a lot of draw control. So there's a lot of opportunity for the other team to score too. And so it's, it's a little different than maybe when you played call, when we were winning like, you know, 10, eight or something like that. And we could really lock things down. We could play a little slower on the offensive end and, and give the D rest. It's, it's a lot different. So I have to play a little bit into what we're doing offensively in terms of our defensive style 
and um, kind of complement that. But I, I make it clear to our girls, like we, we only need to score one more goal than, than the other team. And, you know, that could be one stop for us. So, you know, um, for us, we're, we're mixing things up and, you know, trying to just hammer fundamentals defensively, um, great footwork, great athleticism, but most importantly, just like we're playing together on the offensive end, we have to play together on the defensive end. We have to have great communication. We have to have great relationships. We have to have great anticipation. Um, and those are some of the things that we, we try to work on. When you look at defense, Kelly, um, big picture, like 50,000 feet, not just Northwestern, um, what do you look at as the ultimate defense um, man or zone? And how would you sort of characterize what you would like out of either or both of those? Yeah, I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's like one way to slice it. Like, I don't think there's one best way. Mm -hmm. I think you have to be really good at what you do. Um, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, for us, we, we are not afraid to, to switch it up. I think that, you know, Obviously, there's been a lot of women's teams that have gone to uh, zone style defenses, and I think that that's great. Um, and they've shaken some people up. Like you know, I, I think if you play with against a team that has a little bit of a lesser skill level, you know, they can get pretty flustered with zones. Um, I think it can kind of just make them adjust what they do whereas man-to-man -man, you know you can run by people it's you, you know you know what you're doing whereas zone it can be a little bit of trickier to find the holes I think it could be a little bit harder for defenses um for the officials to you know find who's in three seconds that type of thing so um I think there's some advantages there but then you know, you might play up against, you know, when you get to the, the final four level of playing, you know, you might be playing against these teams where, you know, all these kids need is an inch to be able to find the feed, you know, and they, they'll shred a zone, you know, so I think that um, it really just depends on the situation. I think if you're, if you're, um, you know, if you're bent on, on playing a zone and, you know, a team will, will, is shredding you, you have to, you have to mix it up and, and vice versa. If you're playing a man to man and you're just continuing to get beat, get beat, get beat, um, you know, maybe you need to change it up. So I think having a few different options is, is helpful. Um, and I think, you know, we've proven on, on our offense, we can, we can kind of mix it up and play against both. Um, and we try to practice against both. So I think having both styles is helpful to us as well. Um, because then we're facing both in the practice setting and we're able to um, adjust and, and deal with it. So I, I think whatever you do is, is an option. I don't think that there's one right way, but my, I'm big into the proponent of like, you got to have a couple of different options to be able to be successful because you don't know who you're going to be up against and certain teams are good at certain things, you know? I sure. totally agree. I mean, you watch basketball teams always, they're going in from a zone to a 
man to man or changing up. And I think as a defender, you need to be equally as smart to be able to play both like you can't just be like i'm just a man defender like you need to be able to adjust and quickly have that iq but i think the biggest thing and i think this is what you're saying too is like defenders need to have that accountability and ownership to do their role and stop the ball like don't rely you know what i mean i think sometimes when they go into zone at least i find with my high school kids it's like they they lose that principle like you can you can do your own part too and play great man to man defense. Like it's the same thing. Like when you're on that ball where, you know, sometimes they get like more reliant on each other. I think when they go to zone where I'm trying to get them like, yes, you're in a zone, it's different, but still keep those principles of get the cost turnover right away. Make it eat. You know what I mean? Do your job. And then they don't have the ability to move the ball as fast. So yeah. That always talks about that. He says, he's like, I wish some of these high schools or, you know, clubs or whatnot would play more man-to-man just because I think fundamentally you're going to need those qualities to be able to, you know, be successful at the next level. But it's hard because, you know, a lot of times the high school players don't have the skill to be able to play against the zone, so the zone is more effective. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of a, it's a tough situation for both. But I think that, you know, if I was giving a player individual advice as a defender, like, yes, the fundamental, and Tim was huge on this and emphasizing, like, the, funda- the ability to play good fundamental one-on-one defense and work with others. Obviously, you're going to get working with others in a zone, but you have to be able to, to have those good fundamentals, regardless of if you're in a zone or you're in a man-to-man. So playing man-to-man is, is hugely important in the development. And I believe that developing that aspect of our defense first is more important than the zone aspect. Because if you have the fundamentals of man-to-man, you can, you, know, you can always jump into a zone easily. For sure. Exactly. That's kind of what I do for, sorry, James, the high schools. I'll play both in high school because, you know, it's more tactical. You're, you know, doing a scouting report against another team. But my club, you're man-to-man. You're doing principles, and I'd rather you guys, coaches, when they come watch, see their footwork and athleticism, pressure full out, man-to-man, working together. I'll, you know, lose a game by two Mm -hmm. for you guys to watch defensively what they're doing rather than – there's no timeouts, club's different. It's really not about the score. Yep. Rather to get them to have that fundamental type of defense. And I've explained that to Jamie sometimes. I'm like, I'd rather them just learn these fundamentals in club. You're not practicing with them every day. You're not, you know, you don't have the time to game plan where I think the fundamentals of playing that full pressure man-to-man defense is so important yeah. as I learned from you guys. We used to play one-on-ones out to like the restraining line and be like the worst drill ever. But, you know, it's so important. Like you're, that's athleticism where I think zone, I don't know. You're not seeing that athleticism as much in, yeah. a, in the high school world. I kind of feel like high school almost forces you to do that though, because you can't really defend somebody one-on-one the same way you can in college lacrosse. And so therefore yeah. if you That's have to slide, yep. you're probably better off just playing zone. If you, if, whereas in women's lacrosse, you can, you can actually defend people and slide late and collapse and double team late and it, it's, it kind of gives you that opportunity to be better at man-to-man, I think. Very true. Very true. The pressure, though, is so huge for both sides of the ball, you know. So, like, it's so important to learn – to have your offense learn how to deal with pressure 
as much as it's really important to be able to play pressure. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, the more you can, you know, have your players feel comfortable in that uncomfortable pressure situation, the better they're going to be. And, you know, the more they can stay calm and see what those options are is so, so important. And so, you know, even for this, just that aspect of it, if you have some type of pressure style uh, D, it can be extremely helpful uh, for your offensive group to, to go against because, you know, they're, they're going to have to deal with that. They're going to have to stay calm. They're going to have to move the ball um, and maybe just have like a little bit more patience than they might uh, going up against a man-to-man. Sometimes against a man-to-man, the options will come a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in the zone, they, you know, they really have to figure out where the holes are and see those holes and have the calm to, to find the options. One of the things I remember from watching a Northwestern, I think it was a Northwestern Syracuse playoff game last year. And Selena was getting shut off and she was getting pressured all over the place. And she was way outside the 12. And she literally stopped running entirely. She didn't run against the pressure and try to beat the pressure with speed. She actually stopped, kind of waited, turned her back, got her defender's feet to stop as well. And then she beat her directly turn the corner directly to the net. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just made me think about this counterintuitive concept of, you know, slowing down makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't make as much sense when you're being pressured. Although I do believe slowing down works against pressure too. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, I think it might depend on the player, Jamie, you know what I mean? I, I think Selena has this, uh, explosiveness about her. Uh, you know, Lauren Gilbert has the explosiveness. And, you know, I think it really, really depends on the specific player and what their assets are. And, um, you know, I think you can absolutely slow down. Um, I think the more you slow down, the more you find where the options are. Yep. But I think you can also get trapped too. And, you know, you can get jammed as well. So I think you have to know who you are as an athlete and play to your own strengths. And if your own strengths are to keep moving a little bit because you, you know, you're not super fast and you're, you know, you're worried about getting trapped, then maybe you, you're comfortable with that specific pace. It's a little slower anyway. And, you, you know, you're not going to sl- slow down to a stop and then sprint by someone like Selena would, you know? So I think it, it really depends on your assets and you, you have to kind of figure that out and maybe utilize some of this downtime to, to assess yourself. What do I do in this specific situation? You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's definitely that combination of like the playing fast with composure. You know what I mean? You can't be frantic. Then you're going to throw the ball away. Right. So, yeah. Having that balance is huge. Yeah, like um, when, you're pressuring, when you're pressuring people and they just run, the faster they run, the more they're just going to run into you the get nervous team and clear through. And all of a sudden, they're running. They're, they're all spreading out even more. And now their passes are longer. And um, they're not actually getting down the middle and causing the defense to collapse, which is the best thing you can do. 
versus yeah. pressure is actually beat it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I have one final question, unless Jamie has a couple more, just about um, transition and midfielders. How, what were you guys doing this year? Did you have like two full lines, A midi, D midis? Were you more, you know, focused on having people that are going up and down for fast break opportunities or in the ride? What was kind of your guys' you know, approach in the midfield? You know, we play obviously the gauntlet of the schedule. Um, so there's no rest for the weary. And if you're a younger player, you, you know, you're just thrown right into the fire. Um, now, we had a pretty big freshman class this year. So we had like 12 freshmen. And I think that the biggest adjustment for freshmen is the defensive aspect of things and, and getting up to speed defensively to the college game and, you know, uh, you know, having these top players running at you. I think, I think it's a big adjustment. Um, so our, our, you know, ultimate would be like to have two way middies all the time um, and not have to, you know, sub on the fly. Um, but I do think this year we had some specific kids that we felt were younger, could play, um, you know, could play up and uh, up and down some of the time, but maybe were a little bit more geared towards the offensive end. And so we played a little bit of a combination of straight middies and attack midi D middies. Um, like one of our veterans, fifth year Liza Elder, she, she, we actually made her a straight midi. Um, but then there was times where, you know, her body would just get so tired and fatigued that we would switch her to attack midi. So I think it was, it was based on specific individuals. We don't have like a system where we have to do it a certain way. We try to assess what, what team we have, what our assets are. Uh, can this person play both ends of the field? Are they more geared, geared towards D, towards offense? And really use as many players as we can to uh, on the field, but develop it in a way where, you know, maybe they're playing, you know, off draws, they're playing straight mid. It could be anything. Um, and we don't, we don't have a system on that. So this year, I think we were pretty fluid. We probably had more offensive type uh, middies than we did defensive. Um, but I think that we'll probably have a little bit more balance going into next year. And, and uh, you know, the hope is that you have straight middies as much as possible. But, you know, sometimes it just, it takes kids time to develop that ability and develop that level of fitness and, you know, it's, it's not easy to be a, a straight midi. It's, it's probably the hardest position in our game with maybe the exception of goaltending, you know, um, but you have to be a warrior. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's funny though, um, in terms of you're doing very high speed distances, but in terms of the actual ability and, and how much people run, you know, we, we obviously chart it and we have these scientific things that, you know, give us the data, but the attackers and the defenders actually run more than the midfielders, which no is in, to in terms of total overall distance. 
um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So I think there's this like mentality of like, you know, oh, if you're an attacker and defender, you don't have to be as fit. But like the bottom line is like in order to play our game, you have to be fit. You have to, you have to be able to maximize your own ability. Now we can have all kinds of different types of players that have different strengths but you have to be the best you can you that you can be so if you're you know max fitness is you know whatever a certain level you gotta you gotta make sure that you're at your best in order to be able to perform because um it's a rigor our game is a rigorous game it's a fun game but it's rigorous Mm -hmm. and so you know that's why we try to use as many as many players as possible um, to, to overwhelm the, the opponent. For sure. Especially with the amount of goals you guys are scoring right now. I mean, it's fast pace. No matter where you're at on the field, you're going at 110% at all times. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamie, you know, you're a big fan of our, our draw kid, Brenna Dwyer, too. I mean, yeah. God, she runs like miles and miles. I mean, she <laughs> some, some of the time she's a draw specialist last year, 2019, you know, she would have more distance than anyone on the team. And she's just going in there for draws, which is like mind boggling. It is. And how hard she goes when she's going, she's definitely running like the fastest miles of anybody. Cause like, she's got like four people chasing her down constantly. Yeah, I know she's being chased down by seven people. <laughs> she's fun to watch though. Um, all right, Kelly, last, uh, last topic here for me is, uh, is recruiting. Um, obviously, it's a the dead period was extended till the end of June. We don't know if there's going to be recruiting even in July. What do you think this does to the timeline in the relevance of September 1st, or maybe is it less relevant than it would have been if you just can't see that many kids play? You know, I'm not really sure, to, to be honest. Um, I, I've been talking with Hannah Nielsen. She's on some some committee that's trying to assess this this type of thing and um you know i think the the overall sentiment from the coaches is that you know we need to be patient and obviously the the players are anxious about not getting the opportunity to showcase themselves in front of the coaches but the coaches are just as anxious in terms of not being able to see the players and you know them develop through their junior high school seasons and you know all of that um so i think that I think you're going to see there's a lot going to be a lot of patience. I don't know. I think there's, you know, people are wanting to adjust the timeline. I just don't know if it will happen because I think, you know, in regards to the NCAA, there's so many things that they're dealing with and so many things that they're worried about right now. Um, And obviously the fall sports are the priority to them right now. So I just don't know if they are going to have the appetite to adjust recruiting windows. Um, and I, I would just say, stay patient. Uh, I think that these kids are going to find homes and um, you know, the, the coaches are going to be smart and you know, I, I, I think that it, it will all play out. And I think just staying calm. I, I tell this my, to my team all the time, just stay calm things will work out. We're going to make, you know, we're going to make things happen. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, 
you, as I said before, when I was talking, I, I really think that you might see that the level of these classes that are dealing with this break, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna excel. I think some of these kids are really going to excel and I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, which kids do come out of this really strong. Um, so I don't necessarily have answers for people. Um, but I think, you know, just don't panic. I, I think that the, the more you become anxious about the situation, uh, the, the more detriment it's going to cause you. And then when you come back, you're going to put so much pressure on yourself for the one opportunity that you get to showcase. And, you know, just remember how much you love the game. And then when you get to step out on the field again, you should be showcasing the, the growth that you've de you know, developed during this time and just really, you know, relish, relishing in the opportunity to play again, play with your teammates, play with the people that you, you know, you love. And, and, um, you know, I think that if you can get the whole recruiting thing out of your mind, that's going to allow you to take advantage of this time more. And also it's going to allow you to come back stronger without pressure on you. And that would be my best advice to people um, because you, you can only control what you can control. And that's what I said to my team at the end of the season, you know, when our season was canceled, <clears throat> you know, I said that this is, this is bigger than us and we can only control what we control. So we have to play our part in it. And we have to utilize this time to, you know, grow in different ways and develop and, and hopefully we're going to come out of it uh, really strong and, and we're going to see new things that maybe we hadn't seen new opportunities that we hadn't seen before. So hopefully that will prove to be the same with the student athletes that are wanting to be recruited. All the universities are still going to be here. I think, uh, you know, they, they, you might see that people might bring their, you know, certain players back, but I don't think taking a fifth year is for every kid. So I don't think it's going to hugely um, impact things as much as you might, as you might think. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be patient with my recruiting and I want to see, I want to see who, who develops and, and is really strong out of this. I don't want to make any crazy rash decisions, you know? I think that's so great to hear. And I think people should know that, like you said, the coaches are as focused on trying to bring in the right people and you can't rush that. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah, I also think a lot of kids are going to realize, like I, like you said earlier in the po podcast too, like, if you don't have the passion to get up and fight and want it and work out, then maybe college across isn't for you. And they might realize this now. Totally. Like I said, like if you're not like so pumped to get out there and get better on your own, to have that individual motivation, mm -hmm. then you, you might not, it might not be your future. You know, and then that's okay. Like, and like taking that deep breath to realize what you want right now where prior to this, everything's so calculated, like you're, you're going to your next practice, you're going to your game, you're doing this, you're supposed to go play college lacrosse. People can really take a deep breath. Is this my passion? Is that, or am, am I motivated? And do I want to play at the highest level? Because it's on you right now to put yourself in the best position to be seen when we do get back out there. 100%. Yeah. 
Awesome. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It's always a pleasure talking lacrosse with you and hearing all your insights. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, go Cats, <laughs> always. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Bye, See ya.